Our governor calls Utah the startup capital of the world, and it tracks. We've got a fast-growing, well-educated population and a buzzing economy. And just last week, Utah unveiled the Startup State Initiative, a resource portal for entrepreneurs. From step-by-step -step guides to a business plan generator, startup.utah.gov is now the first stop for starting or growing a business here. That's startup.utah.gov. Here's what Salt Lake's talking about. The Utah Department of Transportation has officially greenlit an eight-mile gondola up Little Cottonwood Canyon. It's wrapped up into a project that also includes buses and tolling. So when will we actually start to see the impacts of this decision? It's Monday, August 21st. I'm Ali Vallarta, and this is CityCast Salt Lake. Julie Jag, Salt Lake Tribune sports enterprise reporter. We are here to talk about the Little Cottonwood Canyon gondola proposal to address ski traffic jams, which has been incredibly polarizing across this town for environmental reasons, the fact that it's an extremely expensive taxpayer-funded project. But the Utah Department of Transportation just recently gave its official approval. What are the highlights of this plan? Well, so if it goes through, which one caveat is that it's not supposed to be built until 2043 to 2050, somewhere in there. But yeah. if it goes through, uh, it would be one of the longest gondolas in the world, uh, about eight miles long, 35 people per cabin, which is about 1,050 people per hour. They say every a cabin every two minutes. And it would only stop at Snowbird and Alta, I think one stop each. Uh, yeah, and then they would close down, not close down the canyon, but then there would be tolling in the canyon to kind of encourage people to not drive up because the big problem, obviously, is the big red snake that goes up the canyon and down the canyon every, anymore, it's almost every ski day, so. Oh, yeah, it's infamous. And then the other thing is increased buses, right? Right. So that is the first phase. So the, this project is in three phases. Um, so the first phase is increased busing, which would, and tolling. They just came out and said that they're going to try to do it in both Big and Little Cottonwood Canyon because Big Cottonwood's also having the same issues with its two resorts or similar, slightly smaller issues because yeah. it has less avalanche danger. But Solitude um, and Brighton being right. the... The two exactly. up there, yeah. Yeah, so they would implement tolling at the mouth of the canyon to kind of encourage carpooling or to cut down on the number of cars. And then they would, the plan is to increase buses that would go up to the resorts. How soon could we see tolling implemented? Because I got to tell you, word on the street among my friends who ski, like the chatter is already hot. Get ready to pay a toll this fall. Is that true? No, no, not this fall. They're talking about 2025, but, okay. you know, it kind of depends. You're already going to be paying for parking if you go up Big Cottonwood Canyon. Both those resorts are now going to be charging for parking, so kind of their own self-implemented toll. And then yeah. if you go up Little Cottonwood Canyon, Alta charges for parking on the weekends, and Snowbird charges for some parking, but some of it's still free. Mm. Okay. Yeah, so not not until 2025 is what they're looking at. And my guess would be it'd be the fall of 2025 because I can't see them implementing this mid-ski season. But maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. Yeah. So this project, 
Tolling seems the easiest to implement. Increased buses, it's got to be tough to implement given that we already have a bus driver shortage and we're already seeing routes cut right now. And then the the big hitter, the gondola phase three. What's the price tag on this? So all together, all three at the moment, although I've noticed that like basically every time a new report comes out, it goes up by a couple hundred million dollars. So uh, we are now at 900. loans. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. Uh, we're now at $955.4 million just to get it going, but all three phases going. And then wow. about $22 million to in operating costs every year. So we're close to a billion dollars to get yes. this thing up and running. Exactly. Snowbird has said they would donate the land for the for the base where people would get onto the gondola that they've already purchased. Not sure if that's included in those costs. I mean, you would hope, given that they're about to get publicly funded transit to their privately owned doorstep. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, so, I mean, I do have to ask, like, what is the Utah Department of Transportation's elevator pitch for the gondola? I think basically, so the problem is, is that there's a lot of users for the area that's there. And the complaint against it is that the gondola doesn't stop anywhere besides the resorts. UDOT is saying, well, most of that traffic that you're seeing during that red snake is coming to and from the resorts. And so that's why they're pinpointing those places. Also, it's, you know, it's not buses. We're not polluting the air, although there's now, you know, electric buses, obviously. Uh, but you don't have to worry about bus drivers either. And they say that it's more avalanche-friendly so that it could run during avalanche. I'm not sure if that is true. I don't. Obviously, I don't know if that's been tested. Yeah, so that's kind of their, their elevator pitch is we'll get more people up there. It's more environmentally friendly. It's better for the people who are going up time-wise. And that um, I think also, you know, it'll be of interest for out-of-town skiers to come up and ride the one of the longest gondolas in the world. I think that's going to be a big draw. Well, I mean, do you buy this pitch? Like, what do you think? I think it's going to be difficult. Um, my concern, I mean, one of my greatest concerns, I guess, is the cost, right? In that yeah. how much per ride is this gondola going to cost? And is mm -hmm. that going to be enough to deter people from taking their own vehicles and the conveniences of that? I mean, it may... Yeah encourage people to carpool more, especially if there's tolling, which I think they'll keep up the tolling when the gondola goes up, but they're going to stop the buses when the gondola goes up, which I also don't quite understand. What? So, yeah. So the plan is that once the once the gondola is up, they're going to stop the extra buses going up. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. <laughs> Just had to climb back onto my chair. That's okay. Yeah. <laughs> Pick wow, your chin up okay. off the ground. Yeah, exactly. That's really strange. Given that for a while, a part of this proposal that was being explored was widening the road to accommodate more buses. Does that mean the road widening is now off the table? Right. Yep. So they're not going to be widening the road. It'll stay um, basically the same. And uh, they are going to widen Wasatch Boulevard which they say will create better access for the buses and give them priority. Although I'm now wondering, like, well, that's just kind of short term. Yeah. Well, I mean, the Wasatch Front is expected to add, I think, 1.4 million people between now and like 2040. So, I mean, we're going to be double in size before this gondola is even built. Right. Which means between now and then, I don't think a couple buses and some tolling is going to solve this traffic in the canyons problem. <laughs> Yeah, if I we're don't... steadily doubling in size. 
Right. And I think, I mean, that's the, that's kind of the issue that it's all up against. Like, what is the perfect answer? All the options have problems, right? I mean, widening the road has problems. A train they were talking about, that has its issues. Hmm. Yeah. And driving up, obviously, just having people drive or carpool is not working. So... No, it seems to be working the least. Yeah. Well, you did a story for the Salt Lake Tribune when we first got renderings of the gondola. And part of your story was about how those images kind of changed people's minds in one direction or the other. Can you first paint a picture for me of like of those pictures? Like what what is the vision for this thing? Sure. Yeah. And what I think was really interesting, and this actually came from our environmental editor, Grant, but he basically was like, look, you know, most images that the public are seeing are from gondola advocates, right? If they if they see a picture of the gondola, it's from like Gondola Works, who has these yeah. beautiful, like glossy pictures, you know, you're like, oh, yeah, I'd want to ride that. Why not? You know, it just yeah. look really great. And then UDOT put out their own pictures, which is not, you know, not to say there's anything wrong with them, but they, to me, they looked less great than the Gondola Works ones, for sure. One that really stood out to me was going over Tanner's Flat campground. And so it was basically like this picture of a fire ring with some concrete benches around it, like you might just sit around. And then all of a sudden, it was like, then there's this big, like, boxy gondola, right? Right over the top of it, like an alien ship just, you know, hovering over. I was like, oh, that's, that's, it's different. So. Yeah. I mean, the Gondola Works ads are HBO Max and the (laughs) UDOT renderings are Hulu Plus. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) You got it. That is exactly it. Yes. It's definitely less slick. And I wonder, like, it seems like the battle for public opinion over this issue is where a lot of this is kind of going down. And I remember, I mean, there was polling in the Deseret News in October 2022 that found that 43% of Utahns were into the idea of the gondola. Only about 19% like strongly disapproved of the gondola, which if you kind of talk to the average Salt Laker about it, that doesn't track with my experience. Like, I would guess that strong disapproval of this project was much higher, especially in October of last year. Do you think that these new renderings have changed what that kind of polling might look like? Well, I have to say what I thought was interesting. So you try to go in these things like neutral, right? I mean, you're reporters, just go neutral. Yeah. And, you know, but I had an idea of what I thought people, how people were going to react to them. And it was actually very shocking to me to see people's reactions. Because I'd say three of the five people I talked to were probably pretty strongly against the gondola. One was kind of, eh, I don't know. And then one was was in favor of it. And it was amazing to me how these renderings softened their opinion a little bit, right? Like the people who were very against it saw these, what I thought were very rudimentary not showing it in their best light um, renderings. And then they said, oh, yeah, I can see why that's, you know, why people would want to ride that. Oh, that looks actually kind of cool or better than I thought it would. And that really surprised me. Of course, the one person that was um, totally for it saw the one that I saw with Tanner Flat and was just like, oh, yeah, I wouldn't want that over my my campsite. (laughs) So, but it was interesting to see how it kind of just like everybody's opinion softened a little bit with these renderings. So. But it didn't move the needle enough to have any of them say, oh, I'm totally on board now or I'm totally against it. Yeah. 
Well, I mean, it definitely illustrates that like forming an opinion on a billion dollar infrastructure project is an exercise in imagination. Right. <laughs> exactly. Mother's Day is on the horizon, and the good news is that you can find everything you need at Harmon's. Whether it's a little something to brighten mom's day or a memorable spread, here are a few ideas. For breakfast, try Harmon's house-baked cinnamon rolls with freshly squeezed orange juice and a package of fresh-cut strawberries. If you're spicing it up with Bloody Marys, don't forget that Harmon's has an olive bar with over 12 different varieties. Now flowers are the perennial favorite, and you can order online or pop by the store last minute. Shop succulents, potted plants, and elaborate arrangements. May's flower of the month is the hydrangea. Very appropriate. Hydrangeas are fragrant and elegant. And if sweets are in order, Harmon's has added raspberry to their selection of brownie flavors. Find all mom's favorites at your local Harmon's or order online at harmonsgrocery.com. Epic Brewing is one of the OGs in building Utah's craft beer scene. But I am most excited about their recent adventures in canned cocktails. First, they released the Utah Mule. And as a big fan of ginger, I have been sipping those for almost a year now. But now, this April, we have the Utah Margarita. A delicious, locally fermented blend of real lime and agave, and they create alcohol by fermenting cane sugar instead of using tequila, which means you can buy Utah margaritas at the grocery store. Pick up a six-pack of Epic Brewing's Utah Margarita or Utah Mule at any local Harmon's or Trader Joe's, or you can visit Epic Brewery on State Street in downtown Salt Lake City. They're open seven days a week. And this fall, look out for the Utah Cosmo. I mean, I have to say, like, you know, I I personally, there are a lot of things about this gondola project that I'm I'm not into. And when we talk about skiing in Utah, it, it feels like ski culture in this state and in this city sometimes sucks up a lot of air and it gets a lot of attention and a lot of energy. But when you kind of step back, like the majority of Utahns and the majority of Salt Lakers probably don't ski, right? Like we had a banner year this year, $2.5 billion contributed to Utah's economy, but our GDP is $251 billion. Like that is 1% of our GDP. So for those of us who don't ski, don't visit the Cottonwoods, didn't grow up at the base of those mountains, like don't have an emotional attachment to this issue, why should we be paying attention to this gondola fight? Yeah. So one of the things I think is interesting is this feels like another way to kind of shut people out who might want to go up just for the scenery. I mean, this is supposed to be an area mostly open, you know, to all economic levels, right? And all yeah. to everyone. And it just feels like if you have to pay to ride a gondola or you have to pay to drive up the canyon, you're basically just putting a big gate up there, right? And saying, you can't come up to just hike or you can't come up just to kind of see Lisa Falls, which is a super easy, kid-friendly hike that's beautiful. And now 
if you just want to go up and see it, maybe you might have to pay and that might deter you from going up. So I feel like that is a really sad part of this, but I don't know how you get around that and also control like how many crowds are going up there. Right. Yeah. I mean, it just feels like if we're going to reimagine access to this beautiful, sacred, public space, reimagining it through the lens of transit to a expensive private resort is going to be very, way less enticing to a lot of Salt Lakers. I mean, like, that is probably my biggest issue with it is that it just feels like I don't like my taxpayer dollars funding private things, especially institutions that already print money like ski resorts. Right. I would say that is the crux, uh, you know, argument against it is that it does just serve those two resorts. And then the kind of the question is, well, then will UTA run buses to the, will you take a gondola up and will you be able to run buses to other places to ski? But then that's, you know, one more one more step in the process. Do you have to pay for those buses after you've already paid for the gondola ride? You know, those things I haven't really seen answers to. Yeah. Do you think my perception that this issue is only important to the ski community is a myth? Um, I do think so, because, I mean, I just did a story, too, on the climbing community and how involved they are on it, um, on the Alpenbach Loop and how they just got it uh, nominated for the National Register of Historic Places. And that's because they, I mean, it doesn't give it any protection, but it does kind of, as I said in the story, wrap it in red tape, basically, right? Like, if you're Mm going to make a change to it, if you're going to put a big gondola tower there and remove a boulder that people might have used to go bouldering, then you have to somehow memorialize that boulder, right, or memorialize that area. And then there's the backcountry skiers, there's hikers. I mean, this is right now that's being billed as a winter project, but I think it really touches anyone who wants to recreate it all up there. Because as you said, you know, we're growing, congestion's just going to get worse. And these problems, you know, these solutions are going to have to cover more seasons than just just the ski season. Yeah. Well, I mean, we've done shows in the past on sort of the the pros and cons, the roses and thorns of this gondola project. But the reason you and I are chatting now is because we've got this Utah Department of Transportation stamp of approval, which feels like a big step towards getting this gondola that we, you know, we haven't seen big steps in the past few years. Does that mean this thing is a done deal? Um. You know, I don't think it does just because it hasn't been funded yet, right? I mean, the big step is that UDOT has said, this is where we're going. Governor Spencer Cox has said, well, we can't fund it until we know that that's what what the option is. Like, if that's what the decision is, then they can start funding it. So Hmm. it's kind of the cart before the horse thing, you know. But so I think it gives it that boost in that it can start looking for this, for funding from the state and from other sources to, to put it forward. But I mean, I think a lot of people are putting their hopes to the scenario that um, that the buses and the tolling will work, right? And that that will hmm. work well enough that the gondola never has to come into existence. So maybe we'll go through phase one, we'll get the buses and the, and the tolling, and we'll go through phase two where we get these snowsheds so that avalanches don't wipe out the highway, you know, 50 times a year or whatever it is. Hmm. Um, And then I think they're hoping that it'll just stop there, right? And they'll never have to actually move forward with the building of the gondola. And 
you know, I mean, that is 20 years down the road. So in 20 years, I don't know, maybe Elon Musk will fly us to the top. I'm not sure, but... Yeah, but I mean, this is the same Utah legislature that seriously looked at building a pipeline to bring water from the Pacific Ocean to the Great Salt Lake. Like, they love, there are a lot of developers up at the Capitol. They love a big infrastructure project. Is it naive to think that, like, they're going to change their minds? Like, I guess what. What percentage of this is about solving the traffic problem in the canyon? And am I just cynical to think this is also a development opportunity? Oh, no. I mean, I think it's both, right? I mean, yeah. the like you said, the, the long, one of the longest gondolas in the world that has, that has some spice to it, right? Like people are like, ooh, mm. that's exciting. And I mean, even yeah. my own family, I was talking to them about this issue this summer when I went back to visit them in Minnesota and they were very excited about it. And they're, you know, <laughs> they ski occasionally, but it sounded yeah. like that's something that they might come out for. So I think that part of it, the marketing part, the, you know, driving Utah as a ski destination, um, you know, and the tourism money that comes with it is a good incentive, I guess, for the legislature to put this thing through. Now, Will they? I don't know. I'm guessing that they'll keep studying it, right? And that they might, if they find a better option, if they decide all of a sudden a train they think is a better option, then they might go through with something like that. But I do have to say that something needs to be done, and this one right now has the momentum behind it. Yeah. And sometimes it feels like they do things just to prove they can. I mean, I guess my my big lingering question here is, how realistic is this? this thing. I mean, reading in, I think one of your colleagues, it was Jordan Miller, wrote a story about some of the plans for this gondola. And one of the things that struck me was, you mentioned this, 35 people in a cabin and a cabin arriving every two minutes. Like, we just got the tracks upgraded to 15 minutes on the weekends. And that serves the entire (laughs) city of Salt Lake. Like, these gondola cars are going to arrive every two minutes. Like, it seems like there are a lot of tenants of this proposal that are just unrealistic. Yeah, and I'm not an engineer, but I also agree that, I mean, to get 35 people even loaded in two minutes, like, how are you going to get 35 people on and, you know, the doors shut with all their ski gear, their kids, their, you know, I mean, just like, how how is that going to happen? I'm not sure how they're going to do that or, like, if you load two at a time. Yeah, I don't. I don't quite have my mind around that. And yeah, and how many people will actually end up being up there. It's like I said, I mean, it's like a thousand people an hour, they said. And they said, you know, they're saying basically that's how many cars a day would go up to Little Conwood. But yeah, you know, I mean, more than one person is going to be in some of those cars. So yeah, I mean, the lift lines, like you think about either end of, of that deal is the parking lot before people load in, the lift line when they're pouring out. There's a lot to be considered here. So, right. Um, and are you going to get stuck up there? You know, are you going to be stuck up there waiting in a lift line to get back on the gondola at the end of the day at four o'clock? You know, like it is with the buses now. I mean, that's how it is. You might go three or four or five buses before you can get on a bus. So, will yeah. it be like that? And I mean, also the weather. Like, it's a very interesting canyon. Are you going to have? I mean, I'm sure they're thinking about this, but wind is an issue. Uh, the, like I said, the avalanches themselves, how is that going to work? Um, can they go over them? Can they safely load if there's an inner lodge, you know, which is normally where you can't go outside at all? How are they going to get people in? I'm 
yeah, not sure about all those things. Which Interlodge was definitely the like 2022-2023 ski season like word of the year. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So. Got bingo, right? With Interlodge. Oh, I got, yeah. I got Interlodge. Got bingo on my ski on my That's ski bingo right. card. <laughs> That's right. Oh my gosh, Julie. Well, certainly there's a lot that needs to come together in order for this thing to pan out. And we are not going to stop talking about it. So I'm grateful that we have reporters like you on the case, Julie Jag, Salt Lake Tribune Sports Enterprise reporter. Thank you so much. Thanks so much for having me, Allie. It's great to be here. I would be heartened if the I-15 highway expansion into West Side neighborhoods caused the same ruckus as this gondola project has, or the plan to turn the Bangator Highway into the Bangator Freeway, which currently looks to demolish 241 West Valley homes. But I guess what's clear is that in all three scenarios, it's the state that gets the final word. That is all for us today here on CityCast Salt Lake. Thank you for listening. We will be back tomorrow morning with more from around this city. Bye. Bye.